Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. And as always, I'm joined by Ed Rochula Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. We were just uh, chatting it up a little bit about the uh, the starts of the season, the first week of the regular season. And, uh, of course, Bulls fans, we're in really good spirits right now. I can't say the same for uh, some other teams right now as we record, but everything is going well uh, with me. How about you? Yeah, things are well. I've, I've been going to Bulls games, essentially. That's, that's what's been my season. Uh, it's funny. I went to the home opener with uh, with the, our guy Alero from Bulls One Hundred One, which uh, that's uh, he's going to be on the show today. So we'll, we'll bring him in in a second with Chris. But yeah, he I went I went with him to the home opener, and then I won tickets for the uh, Pistons game. Yeah, uh, our our guy uh, uh, Young Jordan on. He has his own uh, podcast as well, Bulls podcast that he does that he hooked me up with those. So I, I took my nephew on Saturday and yeah, I just, it's been, it's been crazy. It's the first time I've ever been to a game back to back and yeah. it was just, uh, it was just a lot, uh, a lot of fun. And it's been crazy to see the Bulls as excitement. The vibes are high, like you said. Yeah. It, it looked crazy just like watching it on TV. Like it looked like two of the funnest games that we'll probably see, like just from a, a crowd uh, level like two of the funnest games that we'll like see just like when Lonzo threw the oop to Caruso like the place just like came unglued so it was crazy but yeah glad you had fun there yeah it, exactly it was it's just wild that my my uh Benny the Bull tweet got co-tweeted by uh Worldwide yeah. Bob <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw that with the popcorn yeah <laughs> yeah with the popcorn yeah. and uh yeah. Oh, and my nephew got a picture with Benny too, so that was pretty cool. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, you know, those, like I said, the Bulls starting out three and zero. We have a lot to talk about. So um, as as we get into it, let's let's go ahead and bring our uh, barroom family uh, compatriots here, uh, Chris and Laro. Chris, Laro, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Doing good, man. Happy to be here. As always, love the collaboration. We need to do more of these during the season. Have a feeling we will. Yeah, this is dope. This is kind of like, you know, when, uh, like in rap, when like all the like record labels, like everyone gets on like the same track and stuff like that. It's really dope. So glad, glad to have y'all back on Bulls Go. Always love talking to y'all. And yeah, this is, it's going to be fun talking about this uh, 3-0 start with the team. Who's the worst? Does that make you DJ Khaled, Ed? Is that is it your DJ Khaled and, and I'm Rick Ross? With DJ Khaled, Ross, Wayne, and Drake. That's like the, that's right. That's the popular combo with him. I know who Larry wants to be. <laughs> hey, so I I just want to say, guys, I appreciate you guys having us on again. It's been a, I, I I love coming on here. So um you get to hear ed's voice i mean that that oh, voice man. is like one of a kind <laughs> man you know what i mean so it, it's it's fun uh you know being on here with you guys but i mean ed you talked about being at the uc and um that oop that lonzo threw to uh caruso <sighs> you're not lying man the, the the place just because also too the the city already loves caruso like caruso there's nothing that man can't he probably doesn't have to use bring out his wallet anywhere he goes already like the, the city loves him um he's he's really good at like playing to the crowd um you know he he likes he, he motion he makes that like uh motion with his hand across mm-hmm. his head for the headband um doing he's skipping and he does like the bifocal uh the binoculars with his hands it's like when he throws a dime like i see you like he he's just he's just really fun 
And uh, I was telling Salim, like, and, and Chris as well, like, it, it, I felt like everybody was, like, all the fans are, like, together. Like, they, everybody believes in this team. There's, there's no one that, uh, at least whoever I was sitting by, there was no one, like, that was wondering, you know, hey, should we have gotten this guy? Should we have gotten that guy? Like, I, I feel like everybody loves this team and is ready to rock and roll uh, with uh, this season. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's just been crazy. See, I'll say one thing about Cruz. I kind of I don't know if I like the MVP chance. Not because like I just feel like it's <laughs> kind of mocking him. It's like he's not he's not like a guy that you bring in for like garbage time when your team is up thirty five. He's a legitimate one of the you know he's arguably an all first defensive player. Like that's what he should probably get recognition for as far as his defense is concerned. So I don't know. I get kind of like, I, I think it's fun, but at the same time, I was like, man, we don't need to be like, we don't need to be doing this to Caruso. Like Caruso is a legitimate good player that should be getting like heavy minutes in the rotation. So we don't need to be acting like he's some kind of like novelty player on the team. <laughs> like it's like a Scalabrini type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I don't like that. So that, that that's part of the reason I'm kind of like, I don't chant the MVP. Like I didn't chant MVP when he was on the line. I was like, like, I'm not trying to disrespect the guy. I'm not trying to make a mockery out of him. He's a, he's legitimate. He's, he's definitely probably the best defensive player we have. That's at least at the point of attack. And yeah, I'm just like, to me, it's just like, let's, let's show him a little bit of respect, but We'll get into more Caruso talk, I'm sure, but wanted to kind of talk about obviously the first three games, what we've seen. Um, one thing I, I'm more and more, I, I I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have thought about it, but I've been thinking about like, man, how like Kobe White's minutes when he gets it, because I know he's going to be such an important factor for the team. And I, I look at like a lot of the offensive droughts we have, especially in that second unit, he's going to be major like a major boost there. And we've seen certain guys getting minutes that I think I've been surprised with. Obviously, Javante was the biggest one surprised starting from preseason. And right now he's been doing great as well. And the other guy I'm surprised at as far as his impact and the fact that Billy went to him so early is Io. Um, he's come in and he's produced like well for, for a guy who's a second round pick. I didn't expect him to come in and, and get those early minutes. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I thought I would see him get minutes because Kobe was out, but I didn't expect him to get such early minutes. I thought he would just get minutes when we need like some, um, you know, we're short on rotation. Like just minutes are getting heavy. So like, let's, let's give him a couple of minutes just to, and the end of the, like the quarter before, before we're doing our, our, another sub for the beginning of the next quarter, but he's getting like solid minutes out there. So Blair, I want to start with you. So wh- how do you see Kobe coming? Well, like, where do you see his minutes fitting in here and in, in the rotation? Um, and like, wh- what do you think the ideal lineups will be that he plays in? So uh, for me with Kobe, um, when he comes back, that, that's going to be a fun task for, for Billy um, is, is figuring out how he wants to work him in. But um, I, I think he has to like, from if I was in his, his shoes, like TBJ, um, would have to show me something in, in order to continue to get minutes because you, you have to play Javante. Javante has just been amazing. Uh, everything and more, you know, defensively, energy-wise, uh, he's, he's been great. So uh, that's a great question, man. That, that, that's one that, like, I think if, if it was me, like, again, I think TBJ would, would be the guy that, you would have to think about um, maybe losing the minutes, um, you know, having him out there with Caruso. Um, so Caruso, Kobe, uh, I would even have Pat out there with that group, uh, have him play some five. Um, uh, and then honestly, you could just kind of mix it in from there. Uh, but I, I think Kobe has to, I would love to see Kobe in a lineup with Caruso because um Caruso can handle the ball. He can initiate the offense and, and Kobe can kind of get to the, to the role uh, that I think best fits him. And I, I do think he'll also initiate at times as well, but I, I don't think you have to uh, depend on him uh, like you did last season 
So uh, honestly, um, I would love to see him in the lineup with Caruso. Um, and maybe TBJ, maybe TBJ gets in that lineup, but I would love to see Pat at the five uh, with that group as well. Um, and just, and just move the ball and, and, and uh, have some fun. But I think, I think any, any lineup that, that Pat, I'm sorry, that um, uh, Kobe's going to be out there with, I would love to have Caruso. And I, I don't know if this is going to sound crazy, but it might've been useless, uh, but I would love to see Kobe not on the floor with Zach as much as possible. Like if, yeah. if, if there was a way that that can happen. I've uh, been on that. I've been yeah. on that. And, um, and not wanting to see Zach and Kobe together just because they just kind of like Kobe. I've said that he kind of on a lesser extent replicates what Zach does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their games kind of kind of combat each other, especially when you're trying to trying to get ball movement going. But I, I, I I've been saying like overlap them somehow if you can. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're probably going to run into some situations where they're on the floor together, but yeah. if you can limit it, I think that's yeah. best for both guys, and especially for Kobe, too. Yeah, I agree. Chris, how about... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Chris, how about yourself? Like, are your thoughts on Kobe, like, seeing him fitting into this line, these different lineups, and and as far as what he... Um, where you see him playing and the minutes-wise and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I think it'll fit really, really well. As as you guys mentioned, he's not going to be relied upon as much to handle the ball. Although I do think that last year's reps are going to be really effective. And I think we're going to see some of the benefits of that this year as he moves into this, um, into this group and is able to provide some playmaking at points. And, and it's nice to have all the different ball handlers that we do now. So I think Kobe only adds to that. His shooting gravity obviously is is one of the biggest aspects I'm looking forward to for his offense. Um, but I think he's going to fit really, really well. And we've seen, I think we talked about this before when we were discussing, you know, early, early season rotation minutes. And I thought Io had a chance to kind of step in and provide some spot minutes, but I thought most of the minutes were going to come from Caruso. I just thought Caruso was going to get more minutes. And we've seen him play basically start his minutes at this point where he only averaged 20 Last year, he's, he's getting closer to 30 now. I think it's going to be difficult to take Caruso off of the floor, even when Kobe comes back, though. And as Lara mentioned, um, Caruso and Kobe seem like a really positive pairing together. I also think that Kobe could work really well with Lonzo Ball. Um, I agree. I think you probably want to minimize the amount of times that Zach and Kobe are on the floor together unless you're really, I don't know, if they're both on fire and you're cooking, like that can be a really nice offensive lineup. But just for your kind of usual mixing and matching rotations, I think he he would fit really well next to any of that guard lineup, any of Caruso, Lonzo, Javante Green, Torbound Jr. So I think if anyone's going to lose minutes, it's probably going to be, I think Isles minutes going to be gone out of that rotation. And I think you'll probably see a little bit less of Torbound Jr. or Alizé Johnson, especially with Pat being played at the five more. I would love to see a lineup where you've got one of Lonzo or Caruso, or both Kobe and uh, DeMar and Patrick Williams at the five. I think that'd be a really fun bench unit that would be disruptive and have enough shooting to, to kind of keep that afloat and, and let DeMar cook in the mid range. So yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting problem. And I think a good problem for us to have right now, but it's, it's definitely a, something to watch as we, as we go forward here. So how small would you go with Kobe? Like, so let me throw this lineup out out issue uh you go caruso kobe uh would you play kobe with damar would you play uh i don't know who will be at the five i guess you could put alizé at the five and then you could have javante there i don't know like what do you think about that type of lineup in terms of like kobe being on the court with damar but not really levine just to minimize it yeah as i mentioned i think i'd have I would want at least two other positive defenders out there so if you either lonzo Caruso, Javante Green, two of those three guys, um, maybe Pat as a small ball five or Alizé. If you, if you can have Alizé Johnson out there, you're going to have to get – you have to find shooting somewhere else. So that would be a situation if, if they want to play Alizé at the five and DeMar at the four, maybe that would be a lineup where it would make sense to have both Kobe and Zach on the floor just to provide some some more spacing for DeMar. But I think you'd have to – be pretty sparse in those minutes. I don't think that's a lineup you can use for long stretches of time. 
I, what I've loved, I just kind of think of DeMar and, you know, DeMar and Kobe are probably our two most limited defenders. Although I think Kobe will improve a lot this year with, with the changing role and, um, you know, a little bit less responsibility heaped upon his shoulders on the offensive end. So I think we're going to see a lot more from Kobe this year, but you really want to have those kind of perimeter disruptors. So, you know, one of Javante Green, Caruso and Lonzo, I think is, is necessary with one or both of those guys on the floor. But I really think there's not a whole lot of bad combinations. The, the only one I can think of is if you have like Javante, Troy Brown Jr. and Alize and Damar, I think that's a little bit, you know, too much lack of shooting. Um, so I think you need at least two of two of those guys and Kobe to kind of provide that spacing for Damar in that unit. I don't, I think it's interesting you said, because you mentioned that you would see IO like being kind of glued to the bench. And I thought that obviously, like I said, from the beginning, I thought that as well, that he would get, you know, hard pressed to get minutes this season, but watching him actually contribute out there. Like, I feel like Billy's going to want to try to get him in. Don't you, don't you think that there's going to be situations where Billy does find minutes for IO throughout the season? I, I think he could, although Javante Green is someone we didn't really have as being in the rotation. Like I think a lot of us had us kind of as had him as kind of the third string, you know, kind of backup shooting guard, small forward. But as you guys mentioned, he's played so well that I I, I feel like right now he's a more veteran version of what Io provides. You know, he's he's a little bit better defensively, a little bit, you know, he's a little bit of a higher leaper. Uh, not as much as a ball handler, but we haven't really needed that. So we'll see. My expectation is still mostly that Io is going to get a lot of his minutes in the G League this year. But the rotation isn't set. I mean, we've got like our first seven guys, right? If you think of Caruso and Kobe as our sixth and seventh man. And that eighth spot is still kind of up for grabs between Javante, Io, Troy Brown Jr., Alizé Johnson. So we'll see what they do with it. But it, it kind of makes me think that this roster is not quite finished and that we may see something towards the trade deadline to kind of solidify a more, you know, eight to nine man rotation in the playoffs if, if we're in that spot. Blair, I think you had some thoughts about the IO minutes yeah. as well. So so I coming into the season, um, Troy Bound Jr. was somebody that, I mean, I think we all had uh, – I hope so. And we still do. You know, it's too early to even, you know, give those things up. But I think a lot of IO's uh, his future or his, you know, his role for this team will change depending on TBJ. If if he can think, you know, just be a little bit more consistent and play uh, because I, I feel like TBJ hasn't played his best uh, and it's early in the season, but I think IO's uh, minutes for this team depends on TBJ because if TBJ um, is productive um, and not getting lost off ball as much as he uh, has. I feel like um, I feel like Io's minutes will will dwindle, and maybe he'll get more of that G League look. But if TBJ is just not putting it all together, um, I, I can see Billy being like, "Well, you know what? Um, let's let's get Io out there. He's not hurting you, so let's let's you know let's let's get him some minutes." Because I think I think Io. I, I, we had uh, Mark K on our show and we, and we broke down film of IO and honestly, like IO was the first round talent that fell to the second round. So it's not like IO was, is a scrub, right? So he's, there's certain things and aspects of his game that, that he needed to change in order to be more productive at, at this level. Um, like understanding that he's probably not going to be a full-time point guard. Um, uh, in the NBA, um, like he was in college, but even then in college, I felt like the Illinois team played better when, when, uh, Corbello was a point guard and he was off ball. So, uh, I, I just feel like he's an, another ball handler, another guy, uh, that plays really good point of attack defense. Uh, he competes, uh, Billy has been throwing these, like, uh, which I love by the way, these, these full court presses. Um, I, I like, I like that. Um, he, that's something he feeds into. Um, and so I, again, I, I, to go back to my original point, I, I think, I think it all depends on TBJ. Um, and Alizé, I'd be worried too, because, uh, Javante, man, like there's no way you can keep Javante off the floor. Like as well as he's been playing, 
like Alizé, Alizé and TBJ are the ones I think that they have to really like think about, okay, I got to bring it. I got, I got to step up because two other guys are coming to play ball. So um, yeah, that's what I have to say. Yeah. Javante Green's been a, a real game changer in terms of just not only the lineup flexibility, but just projecting what's going to happen the rest of the season when you have a full bench to work with. I mean, you put him on the floor and he's basically someone that you can basically slide anywhere with these lineups and the the energy that he's bringing, the athleticism that he's bringing, the effort, the uh, the transition play that he's bringing. And we saw in the second Pistons game, we saw him knocking down that corner three. So if he's even doing something like that, I mean, I know he's not going to knock two a game, but if he's doing something like that, even remotely at, let's say, just like average, slightly below average level, you have a problem with Javante Green because, that, like you said, that's a guy that you can't keep off the court anymore because he's he's making an impact in every single way and you're seeing how many people enjoy playing with him. Like, to me, seeing the dimension that this bench has brought with that energy and just the defensive looks and the athleticism, like you're bringing just a completely different look to this team. And it's been really big to build these leads in these games so far. Like we've seen it over and over again with Caruso and, and green and uh, Troy Brown jr. Has had a few moments and IO having a few moments. Like it, it really has changed the complexion of this team. So I, I agree with you. I, if, Javante Green, he he really has kind of changed the outlook of his team, I think, in more ways than one. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think we, we're being surprised. You know, we we had expectations coming into this season of our own, but we're getting we're being thrown a few curveballs here yeah. and there as far as different players doing certain things. Um, let's get into Pat Williams a little bit here because I feel like there's been some overreaction i know i know larry is going to be passionate about this because this is his guy so uh i'll definitely want to get his thoughts first on it but like i look at what pat's done so far i mean the first game i can say he was kind of feeling his way through i thought the game the first couple games i should say he was kind of feeling his through but he was getting projectively better and i thought his against the pistons he had his best game overall um if if there's any complaints about pat i'll say like yeah he's kind of passing up a couple of open looks here or there um, and maybe I, I would say maybe get a little more aggressive on on the boards, not necessarily grabbing rebounds, but just kind of putting your body on guys, boxing out, just kind of get it, mix it up in the paint. But outside of that, I think he's been very active on defense, especially on the against the Pistons. I thought he was very active on defense and offensively. I felt like he made some really nice aggressive moves, especially when he was kind of uh, getting his spots into that mid-range game that he has that he go, that goes really nicely. So, Larry, like I said, let's start with you. Like, what what is your reaction, Minna Patton? Like, how are you reacting to a lot of these people just complaining about the way he's playing and how they're just kind of, I feel like, being a little over-hyperbolic about, about his game out there right now? Uh, all right. So, how I feel about this situation is uh, – First thing, uh, that ankle injury didn't help, right? So he was coming in, as Billy was saying, uh, best shape he's been in since, you know, you know, he, since he's known him uh, in, in the Bulls building. Um, the, you know, he's coming off a strong um, uh, summer league in terms of, yeah, if you look at the numbers, like the numbers are low, but in terms of like how he was uh, being aggressive with the shots, with his opportunities, um, he was just, when you watch summer league, he was just a man amongst boys, with most of the teams that they were playing against, um, ankle injury. And then now, right. He, last season got, we, as fans, we, we were talking about, Hey, we need Pat to be aggressive, be aggressive because we didn't really have other options. Like Pat was the guy that could be that third guy or third to second guy on that team last season. So, you know, you were really pushing for him to like, take that step. Um, and then now you go from, you know, him in the summer league, getting all the shots till now being in practice where he has to, you know, he has DeMar, he has Lonzo, he has, uh, uh, Zach, right. He has Vooch, right. So he's on the starting lineup. He's the fifth option. So finding your spots on offense on, on offense. Right. And, and I think there's a little bit of, 
uh, not trying not to step on play, uh, teammates' toes like Demar and and Zach and and I think he needs to just understand that when when he has the ball and I think I think Demar and, and those guys will talk to him but I think uh, he just needs to be aggressive with the touches that he has um, because there, there's not a lot of them at least in the first couple of games like yeah he's had some 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 opportunities but you know there most of the time is empty side action with Vooch and Zach and is Demar going to work off a of pick and roll there's not a lot of like Pat is trying to figure out okay do I cut here do you know am I getting it here like he's still filling it out and I think that's where a lot of the the time missed in preseason is is hindering him now and like you said Salim like this is like his preseason games right he's learning all right when we run this set right, I should be looking uh, here because Vooch likes to do this or Demar likes to do this. So I should probably do that. He's still learning. Um, and uh, on top of that, fast forward to the, the second Pistons game. I think this was his best game of the, of the early season. Right. And I, and I love that Billy made the adjustment of going to small ball five, because I think getting him in the mix, getting him around the action, um, especially defensively, uh, is only going to help. Um, and offensively using him as, as a screener. Oh my goodness. Like, like, I think, I think doing these things only helps him because you put him and this is why I said last season. And I think people were like, Oh, you're giving him an out. But when you have a guy like Pat, that is not aggressive by nature, where there's some player like Zach, you tell Zach to shoot the ball. You ain't even got to tell Zach to shoot the ball. Okay. If, if, if Zach is open, that ball's going up. Right. But there are certain players where, okay, do I make the next play? Like, should I shoot it, right? But if you put Pat in situations or certain players, not just Pat, there are a lot of players as well. But if you put Pat in certain situations where he has to make a decision, either to be aggressive or most of the time, uh, if he's going to be in the short role, making the right pass, like putting him in those type of situations is going to only going to help him. Um, because I, I know if you, you, you've been in, you know, open gym and I obviously open gym, our level is different, but like, if you think of yourself, like playing again, playing a five on five in open gym and you're not really getting the ball that much, you're kind of just standing around and then you go back on defense. Like you're just, I think getting him in the mix more will, will really wake him up. will really get him to understand like, yo, it's time to go. So I love that he really, and uh, uh, has been using him as a screener and then moving him to small ball five. And then Billy also talked about getting him some time with the second unit in, which means that he would be looked upon as, as being more aggressive on uh, scoring the ball. So um, I, I just, for all the stuff I've been reading on Twitter, it, you know, I just have to bring myself back down and understand that like, you know, like it's, it's not as bad as they're, they're making it seem, it, you know, it's just, you gotta just slow yourself down and, and kind of, see realize what pat is going through in terms of now having to find his way with three studs and, and you know and so um yeah man uh that's that's just the way i feel about it in, in, in a long-winded way so yeah i can add to it um i i agree with laro it's it's something that i don't think there needs to be a lot of concern for right now I do think the small ball five is going to be really important for him to get him involved in that offense. As you mentioned, Lara setting screens, uh, making decisions from the short roll, which is where, as we talked about on our show in summer league, we saw, we saw that was where he was most confident was in that area and, and getting that, you know, when that's his spot, right. Even when we see him pass up open threes, he always dribbles one or two dribbles in. He just loves that, that little pull up there. So get him in spots where he's comfortable because it's this, it's, you know, it's an almost entirely new team that we've got. And he didn't come in with the pedigree of these other guys, right? He, he doesn't have priors to bring into this to say, okay, this is my role. Now I need to adapt it to this team. He doesn't have a role, right? His role from last year to this year has changed a lot. So what I wanted, what I would tell the fan base is to focus less on his box score stats, Right. And how many points you know he's got, or how many shots he's taking? Just look at what he's doing within the flow of the offense. Is he moving off ball? Is he setting screens? Is he getting involved offensively, even if he's not taking a shot? If he's doing that, then he's doing his job because he is the fifth option offensively. Is he making those forty-five cuts? Is he taking that open three in the corner? You know those kind of things. And defensively, you know that's really where we're going to be relying on him this year is as a help defender, especially you know, next to Vooch as a, as a 
secondary rim protector. And if he can develop those skills more by playing some small ball five, that's going to be really important for us down the road. It's not always about the immediate impact that he's having. It's it, I kind of think of it as Kobe playing a lot of ball handler last year is going to be good for Kobe's development down the line. I think having him do that last year is going to make him a much more important cog in the machine this year for this squad. And I think with Pat, we have to take the long view. He just turned 20. Uh, he has not been, you know, you look at Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green or these other guys that came in and like were the man on their squad. You know, he's in a really weird position where this is a team with playoff aspirations and he's coming in as a 20 year old, which is the age of these other guys. And he's not the guy right now. So his development's going to take more time. So I, I think you just got to focus on what he is doing rather than what he's not doing. And if he, you know, if he's just being completely passive out there, yeah, then that's when we step in and, and Billy, you know, kind of address that in his post-game comments of, hey, I need to get him more involved in the offense and maybe doing this or doing that's going to help him do that. But that I, th- I think should be more of the focus rather than, oh, he's not like a 20 point per game score yet, or he's not, he's not taking five or six threes a game right now. That's not really his role this year. So yeah, I, I just, I think it's way too early to worry. Um, and I think he's had some, some good performances, some encouraging performances so far. Yeah, just to just to pile on, I mean, I agree with everything Chris and Lara were saying, but these are good problems to have. The Bulls, to me, what stu- stuck out the biggest about this past week is that the Bulls won three different types of games. They won a game against Detroit that, honestly, they really had no business winning unless Zach Levine was the best player on the floor, which he was. In the second game, they just flat out ran the uh, Pelicans off the floor. They beat a bad team how they should. Detroit game, Zach Levine didn't even play that well, and they still won by double digits. So the Bulls won three different games without playing perfect basketball. And they did all of this with Patrick Williams still getting his sea legs under him. So I look at it like like uh, Chris just said that, yeah, Patrick Williams, you know, he's still getting into the mix. Things are going to get better. But right now he's a 20-year-old who's the fifth option in the starting lineup. And you know, it's not a huge concern yet unless we're deep into the season and he's becoming a hindrance to us against some really good teams. But right now we're in such a luxury with uh, what's been some a pretty deep team to me so far and just playing some pretty good basketball, not perfect basketball, but pretty good basketball that we can kind of let him figure it out right now. So I'm not really at the point where like, my hands are in the air and I'm really deeply concerned about Patrick Williams. I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll be more active. I think he'll start to hustle more and, you know, get into it. Cause coming into it, in, coming, coming into the season after an ankle injury and missing what, like four, like four weeks, it's not an easy thing to do for everybody. So we'll see where it goes. With him. I have a question for both of you, uh, Leo and, and Chris and Ed can chime in on this too. See, I'm I'm thinking like teams like yesterday when you're playing a team like Detroit, for example, obviously they're young experience, but they're very athletic team. And do you think in those situations where we should play Pat at the five ball more and lower Vooch's minutes in those situations just so that way we can match up a little better? Or do you think you like what Billy has been doing at that five ball with the five spot where he's still giving Vooch his regular rotation minutes and then getting mixing in Pat when he can? I think it's going to be hard to take Booch off the floor. Like, I think it's going to be hard to, to reduce his minutes significantly. He's, he's, as Larry and I mentioned before, and I know you guys have too, Vucevic has been an extremely important piece of the offense. He's the one that's making that offense run. His gravity is a shooter, his passing ability, um, you know, the, the threat of him getting into the, into the paint. That's really greasing the wheels for the offense. So, you know, like a physical team, like Vooch, Vooch got, you know, taken to task on the block a couple of times early in that Pistons game, that second one where they went on that nine Oh run to start. I mean, he was, he was getting kind of beat up a little bit down low, but I just think you kind of have to, you're going to have to roll through his ups and downs because of the role that he has on, on this team. Um, but I, I do think one of the weaknesses of our team, at least in the preseason or, or, or thinking about it in the off season was, the lack of a lot of uh, versatility on the defensive end from the five spot. Right. And, and, you know, 
our backup five so far have been mostly Alize Johnson and uh, and a little bit of Pat recently. And we saw just a sprinkle of Tony Bradley, but he's he was mostly, you know, he's mostly been out. So we don't have a whole lot of other options right now with that kind of size. And there's no one really with the, the type of passing ability that, that Vooch has right now. So I think it's going to be tough at this point to do so, but you know, maybe if we can, maybe if we do end up making a, an in-season trade to bring someone at the four or five spot, you know, that may open up that possibility a little bit more. Yeah. And, and not to say, I think Vooch is, been playing well a lot. It's not to not a detriment against food. I just was thinking sure. about matchup situations. A lot of your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, no, I I agree with what uh what Chris is saying. Like it, it like Vooch on top of uh, on top of uh you know what you guys are saying, it's like Billy is probably thinking like I gotta get Vooch minutes because I gotta get I gotta get him out there so he can get out of this slump he's been on in offense. And um and just get him out there and continue to run through him. And, and offensively, he's very important to this team, you know, and, and honestly, defensively as well, he's been doing a really good job in the middle of the middle uh, in the, in the paint. So um, it's tough to take him off the floor, but I think as time goes on and and if Pat, um, when he gets those five minutes, if he shows that like he deserves more minutes at the five and you can really, you know, uh, rest Vooch when you need to really, really rest him. Then I think that you'll think about it, but at the moment it's kind of—I don't think you want to take that chance just yet because you—you—you you, you want somebody to prove that when Vooch comes off the floor that they're still going to be fine at the five. So, yeah, it's something I'm excited for, but I'm agreeing with you guys that Vucevic, the two—the two-man game that he has with Zach Levine right now is way too important. So it's just something that we'll kind of have to you know wait and see once uh, Patrick Williams gets a little bit more comfortable. I also just wanted to like bring up too, like with Pat is like, when you think about like some of the guys that went in the same draft as him, you know, I think a lot of people, they, you know, they obviously it's kind of like in, uh, in, in football, right. When Mitch Trubisky, when we had Mitch Trubisky, you know, he's being compared to Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, and I think a lot of people do that with the, you know, with, with Pat in his draft, they see, Oh man, LaMelo ball is wow. You know, like what's come on, Pat, like it's your turn. Anthony Edwards, like, and I, I just feel like uh, when you look at some of the the stars out of the draft, um, there are obviously some some players that just aren't really there yet or at all. Uh, but you look at like, for instance, Lamelo. Like that dude has been a professional basketball player since he was what sixteen. He's played against grown men, right? All, since he's been sixteen. So coming into the league, like he was just ready for playing against men. You know, he he, he understood certain things. Anthony Edwards. Like he's been the man uh, on his basketball team since he, you know, he can remember. Right. And Pat, I think I think um, uh, AK really mentioned it. Like when you when you have a, a draft pick that high, like you're swinging for the fences. And I think Pat, especially in high school, he was a point guard. He, he wasn't really a scorer in, in, in um, high school. He was a facilitator, point guard. Then he got to college and he came off the bench. Um, you know, they still had Devin Vassell or Devin Vassell. I hate that I mess. I don't know which way you say it, but um, MJ Walker. Um, there are just a bunch of uh, guys on that team where they didn't really need Pat to be the aggressive and need points out of him. So coming from those situations to the league where like you're getting uh, uh, NBA scouts and big time evaluators saying like you have a lot of potential offensively. You know, it, you know, like that could be different for a guy that's not used to that. So it's going to take some time offensively. And I think when we talked about when we talked me and uh, Salim and and Chris, like offensively, he actually has the the, the time to be uh, to come along slowly on that end because I mean this team's going to be good offensively with or without Pat's. Uh, uh, you know, if he takes a leap there at all, you know, um, but defensively uh, is is what you want to continue to look at. Um, and, and make sure that he is coming along that way because he, if he can, like, let's say he still is scoring nine points, nine, 10, 12 points. I mean, 12 points would be good. But if he, if, if he, got, let's say he's, he's around where he is now, like I think it's nine, right. And he's just really good defensively. He's secondary uh, rim protection is on point. He's where he needs to be all the time on that end. And he can make an impact that way being a great defender on the, on the other end. 
doesn't need to make a big impact on offense just yet. Like AK has kind of bought him some time with getting Vooch and DeMar and Lonzo here. Like uh, I think Chris brought this up uh, as well is, you know, the way those contracts line up when DeMar and, and Vooch are done, like Pat will be what, what, 24, 23, 24, somewhere around there. Like around that time, we should be seeing the, the, the real Pat. And even before then, it shouldn't, you know, maybe even before then, but like he's being bought some time to come along offensively. Defensively is what you want to see. Right. And I, and me, I, I was big time. Pat is a three guy. Um, and I, and I've soon been, uh, you know, recently been shut up about that and, and see, uh, been seeing what's on the floor. Um, it's tough for him to get around screens. Like I, I think we were uh, looking at a sling during the game. Like, I think his shoulders are just, just too, like, just too big. Like he can't dip them things. Like he can't get around the, the screen. So is I think if you put him at like Billy has done at the five and just allow him to be big and use that seven foot wingspan, his athleticism to protect the basket. Um, and he's agile enough to, you can high head, you can, uh, aggressive drop. You can, you know, you can do different things with him. So, um, defensively is what I I'm looking at. Um, not offensively. Like, yeah, if he's passing over shot, I'm gonna be like, Pat, what you doing? Right. But defensively, that's where I want to see the growth this year. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll, we'll definitely, I think, see uh, progression as the season goes on, especially as he's feeling his way through uh, this ex- completely new situation that he's in with having all these three major scorers around him. And, and obviously you also will have Kobe coming back as well, but who's going to take a lot of usage in his own right. So we'll see how what happens with that. But as we're moving on, you know, we we'll, we've talked about the Bulls starting out really well, three and zero. Excuse me, I apologize. Three and zero, and the teams that have played are pretty easy teams. They're teams that we know we're not going to be good. Um, and other than the first game where we kind of struggled, we've taken care of the teams and we've we've, we've beat them fairly easily. Um, maybe a couple of offensive issues that we can uh, kind of go into, but it's been mostly surprisingly good defense, even better than we thought. Like we knew our defense wasn't going to be like bottom five, like a lot of these, you know, analysts, so-called analysts were trying to say like guys like John Hollinger or whoever else out there were predicting the defense to be just awful. Uh, we knew it would be better than they were, but again, the teams have not been, good playoff teams yet. Now, as we flip into the schedule moving forward, we're seeing teams that are going to be coming up. Toronto, still trying to feel them out. They might be a solid team. They still have talent on that roster, so they're not anyone to you know kind of look over. But then starting from the games against the Knicks and on, there's like 13 games straight against playoff teams. Um, what I'm wondering is, what, what do you want to see from that game stretch as far as like record wise performance wise to make you think like, you know what? Yeah. This Bulls team is legit. And I think they're going to be one of these teams all season. That's right in it for that, you know, playoff on being that top five, six team in the East. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you um, as far as what, as far as what you want to see going forward in the schedule and how you foresee it breaking down. Yeah, I mean, it's we're going to have to see what this team's made of pretty soon here. Uh, as you mentioned, the Raptors, I think, are probably the worst, at least on paper, team that we're going to face in the next you know month and a half. So that's a that's a pretty rough stretch. Luckily, we are our team is currently healthy, other than Kobe, who's scheduled to come back you know, about halfway through that schedule in November. But uh, I think what I'm looking for is is that defensive intensity going to continue? Is it going to be consistent? Are they going to continue to make good rotations? Because I think if you're facing a team that has more capable ball handlers, like for example, Detroit doesn't really have one right now. Cade was out and Killian Hayes has, has not been super great. It's basically like Jeremy Grant running the show or Kelly Olenek in, in spots. But, you know, soon we're going to face, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Mike Conley, who are both really, really good. Uh, you know, really, really great guards for a championship level squad. And, um, you know, the, there's there's a ton of teams. We're Philly, the Celtics, we're going on the West Coast trip. We're going to face LeBron and the Lakers, the Clippers. There's a ton of good teams out there. So 
you're probably going to not be able to generate as many steals and turnovers to fuel that transition game if they're taking care of the ball better. So if that's not, if those things aren't happening for you, what are you doing differently or what, what are you doing to, to continue to maintain that, that defensive intensity? And also uh, offensively, we're going to face some good defense. So I think the Raptors are a good test and the Knicks are a good test defensively. They're both, they're both, um, you know, Tibbs obviously always has a good defense and the Raptors have a bunch of rangy, you know, six, seven, six, eight, uh, tall guys. So that's going to be interesting to see how the offense functions tomorrow. But, you know, ultimately I'm hoping to be 500 or better by the end of that stretch. So if we, if we can take care of business against the Raptors and go four and and then we start that 13 game stretch, you know, if we can end up like 10 and seven or, or nine and eight, I think I'll be pretty excited as far as the record's concerned, but I think it's going to have to do, it's going to have to do more with the type of play that we see. What are, what are we seeing from them on the floor rather than just the results? I think that's going to be more telling. So uh, for me, at least, um, like kind of along with what Chris is saying, like I just it was the same thing I said in the preseason. Right. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, man, it's preseason. But like the process. Right. Are, are, are you continuing to do the same things that help you win ball games? Are you your rotations still there? Are you rebounding the ball? Are you continuing to do the things that Billy wants you to do, which is use your athleticism and, cre- and, and, and create, you know, a lot of turnovers. Um, but like, as Chris said, like, we're going to play, play some teams that are going to take care of the ball. They, they, they're, they're like, when you, when you go against a Mike Conley, he's seen every defensive coverage you can throw at him. So, you know, what are you, are you, are you going to be smarter? Like what um, being in the right spots on the weak side, you know, which was a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that we didn't do well last year was weak side help. Um, and um, when you see these teams, like, I think a lot of uh, what we, uh, when you look at the teams that you played, yeah. Um, the first three games, yeah, they're not good as a team, but I think for Vooch's sake, I mean, Val's a tough, tough cover. And then Isaiah Stewart is a very young beef stew is what they call him. You know, he's just athletic, strong, built dude. And I, there aren't going to be a lot of bigs like that that Vooch is going to see. So if you're going to see small ball fives, Vooch is going to have his way, right? And there's, I just feel like, yes, we're playing better teams, but I think as you get, to those different teams, there are going to be better. Um, I think, uh, I think with Demar, Lonzo, and Zach and Vooch, right? When you see teams, I think you're going to be able to attack teams differently, right? So um, that's one of the best things about having guys like that is now it's not just Zach, right? Now, okay, how how are teams going to react to the agency side pick and roll? Okay, cool. You take put that in the mental side of you in the uh, in your back pocket for later in the game. And you just, you can go, okay, let's run DeMar and, and Vooch pick and roll. How are they defending that? And then it, it, there's just so many different options. Um, but I guess for, uh, to can just solidify what I'm trying to say here is that I just, me personally, I just want to see them continue to do the right things defensively. Because if you, if you continue to play good defense, no matter, no matter if guys are making shots or not, right. Guy, this is NBA guys are going to make shots, you know? Um, but continue to the standard is the standard, right? You've set the standard at the beginning of the season. Keep that, keep that standard, keep that line where you need to meet um, and see where the chips lay uh, fall. But the, I just want to see this team continue to fight. That That's all I want to see. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I think the, for me, what I'm looking forward to seeing, or just, I want to see is, you definitely want to see Vooch start to break out of his slump. I think he's getting good looks, but he's just missing some. Like, I think in the first Pistons game, it felt like he was missing a lot of, like, bunnies, like, kind of in the paint. So, he's getting open shots. He's just missing them. So, when you when you go on these road trips, so when you have that, like, five-game stretch, I think those are the times that you really want to see Vooch be able to, like, figure it out and put it together with that two-man game with Zach Levine. I also think this is a good test for the bench because I think, again, the bench has been such a a big supplier of energy and athleticism and giving the Bulls that extra juice to build these leads or to, you know, kind of wake the stars up a little bit. I think you want to see if that's going to translate uh, on the road too or against these tougher teams. So you, you definitely want to see that. And then 
I, I think DeMar DeRozan is another big factor. So I, I guess you could say a bunch of different factors. I'm naming like everything here. I think I just named the whole team. But when you look at DeMar DeRozan, a big reason why they got him is because they needed that that second guy who could get his own shot in the in the half court. And I, I remember seeing a tweet uh, this past week or earlier this weekend that, uh, that Chris made where he w- was kind of just uh, pointing towards that, where you know, DeMar DeRozan is taking some tough shots in the half court, but he can make those shots. He's a professional shot creator, professional shot maker, still gets to the free throw line. When Zach Levine is having an off, you know, off stretch or whatever, you can still get DeMar DeRozan in the game and get a shot. So his value, I think, even shows up more. So I think you're going to be looking at those three things for the most part to see if they translate. But overall, I think if you go seven and six or eight and five in these next 13 games i would consider that a victory yeah i think if if we can see like it's kind of echoing everything you guys have been saying because i completely agree with everything you guys have been saying is just if they can if they can go about six or six and seven in that stretch in that 13 game stretch i'll i'll feel pretty confident about where they're at and like Lara said, you know, seeing them do the same things that we've been seeing these last three games and maybe, like I said, clean up some of the offensive things that they've they've struggled through at times. Because I think there's been moments in these games where you, where, where the offense has kind of stalled. I think guys are still trying to get familiar with each other. Uh, guys had to go one-on-one a little too much. Um, I know there's certain situations when the mismatch happens so you've got to take advantage of that mismatch. But, you know, there's a couple of possessions I was looking at where I thought Zach maybe forced up a shot um, against early in the game against the Pistons when he had like Lonzo wide open um, at like the elbow at elbow three. So stuff like that, just and not to pick on Zach, I'm just that's just an example I'm giving uh, that I thought maybe you could have kind of moved the ball there instead of settling for the uh, for the shot that he did take. So stuff like that, you know, we'll, I think we'll see probably clean up as cleaned up on offense as they get a little more chemistry with each other. And like you guys have been saying defensively, it'll be nice to see them continue to make the same um, good rotations on defense, being active, uh, seeing five Javantes out there. That'll be <laughs> the consistent uh, consistency of Javante Green. Uh, that, that'll be very nice to have. And hopefully, like you said, Kobe coming back will be a big positive as well. Yeah, and just to add real quick, they're going to face adversity. They're not. They're going to start losing some games. Like it's you know, <laughs> even the even the yeah <laughs> even the '96 Bulls, right? They they still they still lost ten. So, and we're obviously you know not not in that category. But they're gonna they're gonna lose some games. They're gonna face some adversity. So they're gonna play poorly one night, and we got to see how they respond. And I, I think this, especially that road trip coming up, the West Coast road trip, is going to be important to see how they maintain their competitiveness level when they face adversity. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm just, I'm soaking in the three wins right now, but uh, you know, the real test is coming and I'm excited to see how it goes, man. They go on 82 and Oh, what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> y'all gotta have faith, man. I need y'all to get, I need y'all to get it together. <laughs> just saying it's 82 and Oh, until it isn't right. That, that's what it is. And if, if the next time they lose a game, it's going to be 81 and one, right? Yeah, exactly. We got to right. adjust it. I mean, I, I think like when you look at this upcoming like 13 games, I mean, let's say they do go eight and five, then you leave with a 13 and five record. And I don't know where that would rank in the East at the time through 18 games, but I would imagine that would rank pretty damn high. So if they just do, if they do something like that, then I think, the hype around this team is going to be even stronger. Oh man, I'm going to be toxic as hell if that happens. Yeah. Oh, oh and, my god! And eight and oh five is god. doable. I, That's a doable that you can do that. I'm going to be. I'm going to be talking that shit. <laughs> Don't tell you that much. I, I, you guys are correct, man. If, if that happens, Hawk fans, you'll be hearing from me. Knicks fans, there's uh, always another hot fan spaces. We need to get we need to get in some Knicks Cause, fans because they're always that. talking trash about the Bulls. Always, every so I just always pop in and just to hear what they say this time, you know. So, but 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 man, it, it's I just can't wait, man. A lot a lot of these teams are like there's there's people praying on our downfall. 
you know, they're waiting to get on Twitter and be like, oh, see, you beat those three teams. You can't. It's coming. It's coming. Hey, listen, if a Knicks fan is trying to do that right now, they can just pipe down because they just lost to the Lando fucking Magic. That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's been it's been really cute seeing like the like Knicks Bulls stuff on like Twitter and I'm just like like me personally I don't really have like any venom for like Knicks fans like I used to back in the day so it's just kind of like like Chris was explaining before the show about why they feel kind of like salty or you know whatever whatever and I'm just like man I don't I don't know like I don't I don't hate the Knicks like they're a good team I don't know why they're coming for us like I don't know why Stephen A. Smith isn't showing us love on first take you know I don't I don't get it but (laughs) Yeah, Stephen Steve A. Smith is uh, ca- a casual. I call him a casual now because some of the things he was saying, like he was saying, this crews are really good. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? You definitely don't watch ball. No. No. So, anyways, you know, Larry Chris is a pleasure to have you guys. I love talking ball with you guys. You guys have become uh, good friends of mine, good friends of ours, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, please give us your final thoughts and obviously plug yourself. Obviously, everyone at the bar room already knows where to find you, but just in case of someone that listens to us that doesn't listen to you and doesn't know where to find you, please let them know. And like I said, give us any of your final thoughts that you may have. Uh, for me, my final start, my fi- thoughts, my, fi- my final uh, thoughts are uh, just, I- I've said this before, put your seatbelt on and get ready. It- it's it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some ups. It's going to be some downs. But uh, this team is going to be in every game. I, I truly believe this. No matter who they face, um, this team just has too much talent to just be manhandled by any team. I think they will be like again. They won't win every game, but they. W- I think they will compete in every game. So um, that's one thing. Um, and for me, uh, you can catch me on Twitter um, at le- uh, underscore Lero Hoops. Um, and I am also going to be contributing as a writer for the Bulls on on, ta- on tap sports, um, you know, with Buzz and Bull scripted and the boys over there. And shout out Chip uh, Bulls Dynasty on Twitter. And uh, I'm sorry, at MVP AW on Twitter. Uh, so I uh, can't wait for that. Yeah, thanks you guys so much for having us on again. And uh, we'll, we'll do another collaboration soon. But just looking forward to. You know, with, with the Bulls last year, they were in a lot of cl- a lot of clutch situations, but they ended up coming short in a bunch of those. And especially against winning teams, I think they ended up being nine and thirty, which which was the big thing because they were twenty two and eleven against teams under five hundred, but against over five hundred teams, they were nine and thirty. So that's the that's the script I want to see flipped in the next couple months here. And if they can do that and, and maintain their advantage against under five hundred teams, we're looking at a really solid playoff team. And I mean. I think the city and the fans deserve that and more this year for, for all that we've gone through. So exciting basketball that we've been able to see so far. And I think there's more ahead. You can follow me on Twitter at KLA hoops at bulls. One one obviously on the barroom network and uh, our, our Twitter handle is at bulls. One one podcast. You can also email us questions or concerns or uh, complaints. You can direct to Laro directly, but um, <laughs> any questions you got, you can, you can uh, hit us up. Uh, bulls101 podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us as well. So thanks again for having us, man. We uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, we love your work and, and obviously honored to be here as always. 100%. Definitely go follow Chris, go follow Lero. Uh, they know what they're doing. I know Chris is also going to be writing with Premium Hoops. So he's definitely a lot of thoughtful articles. Lero is going to be doing a great job with his writing as well. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff to uh, get into because especially learn a lot from both of them. So uh, definitely go do that. Uh, Edward, any final thoughts for you as we are wrapping up here? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. uh, Thanks again to Chris and Lero for dropping by. Always great getting their thoughts and talking with them. Uh, For me, I've just been just really, really excited just for this week. Like it's just been a blast. Like I, I continue to say it over and over again, coming home and being able to turn on TV and watch an entertaining Bulls game uh, over and over again is it's really valuable. And I, I miss that feeling of the last three years when we were just turning it on and always expecting the worst or just just seeing all of these embarrassing moments. So being able to see all of these fun times uh, where the crowd at the United Center was really getting into games and like it looked like some playoff environments. So 
it, just being able to see that has been great. So I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of the season to uh, see what else uh, the Bulls can come up with. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Everyone, vibes are high. Uh, the only team in town that's making us yeah. happy right now since <laughs> the Sky season ended, and they made us happy, obviously, with winning it. And So and the I'll Bulls are the only too. team. And we're, and we're not going <laughs> to talk about the other team that throws that that oval uh, ball uh, around uh, – you know, we're not going to talk about that team right now that has an annoying coach that I don't like. So <laughs> we're not oh going to bring that The Bears are up. just – oh, sorry. I hey, said no, the, no, I said we're the, not naming the, the team. Word. No, <laughs> I said no, the word. <laughs> I, I said – oh, man. But I, I'll say this, though, too, though. We were talking about uh, Caruso and the MVP chance. Man, if he would have got fouled on that dunk – from Lonzo, I would have chanted MVP at that time too. Just to be fair, I would have definitely chanted MVP there. <laughs> well, we love Caruso. I'm mean, we're, yeah. we're going to get a lot of Caruso this season, so we got to buckle up. We we got to buckle up. It's, it's very early in the season, yeah. but anyways, that, you know that's a wrap for today's show. Please follow us at Bulls Gold, and you can also follow, follow our personal Twitter accounts at Salim underscore BG Hoops. And then Edward is at Edward Shula Jr. If you miss any previous episodes, you can find us on under the Barroom Network on all major and minor minor podcast platforms. Thank you again to Leo and Chris for joining us this week. And to the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Shula and myself. Until next time, Bulls fans. Bulls fans.